Thank you for downloading a sermon from the Chapel of the Cross. The Chapel of the Cross is a welcoming, growing, and historic Episcopal Church in Madison, Mississippi. I hope you will join us on Sundays for worship at 7.30 a.m., 8.45 a.m., 11 a.m., or 5 p.m., with Sunday school for all ages at 10 a.m. I also invite you to connect with the chapel online at chapelofthecrossms.org. Again, thank you for downloading this sermon. I pray it will enrich your walk with Christ. May God bless you, and we look forward to welcoming you and your family to the Chapel of the Cross. Holy and loving God, write a message on our hearts, bless us, direct us, and send us out. Living letters of the word. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. But when Jesus was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only speak the word and let my servant be healed. Today we move into a new season in the church year. The season of Easter is most definitely over with the ascension of Christ, the arrival of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, and the celebration of the Holy Trinity last Sunday. So now our weekly readings shift into a summer mode, focusing on pivotal learnings from Jesus' ministry. For the church geeks among us, this has been named ordinary time, a term not developed in the marketing department. (laughs) But despite the dreadful name, this season is one of my favorite times to preach. For in this season, our lectionary provides some of the richest stories from the heart of Jesus' work, parables and teachings and healings, all most definitely very far from ordinary. So today we begin with the centurion and the centurion's servant. And we might notice that the circumstances around this occasion of healing are somewhat unusual because the ill person or even the the person uh, advocating on the ill person's behalf, neither of them are ever physically present with Jesus. Jesus only hears of the centurion secondhand First, a group of Jewish leaders approach Jesus and share some stories about this centurion, how he's a a good guy and a, a big part of the community and how he built the synagogue for the people. And later, as Jesus approaches the centurion's house, the centurion sends friends to greet him and they speak on the centurion's behalf. They say, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof but only speak the word and let my servant be healed. And Jesus replies, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. Friends, I have to be honest with you. I find this story really odd. Odd on a number of levels. For one, if my friend or colleague or, heaven forbid, a family member was terminally ill and I heard that, you know, the Messiah was somewhere nearby, I would drop everything and run and beg for that person's life. But the centurion doesn't do that. Instead, he sends groups of 
the Jewish elders and his friends, and perhaps that was appropriate in the sort of social norms of the day, but still it strikes me as very odd. And then when Jesus arrives at the centurion's house, the centurion does not even get up to go out and greet Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I was raised in the South. And my mama taught me that was rude. If company comes over to the house, you do not stay in the back room. You get up and you put something nice on and you offer them a glass of tea. You get out all those chip and dips that you got as wedding presents and use them. That's what they're there for. But the centurion does not greet our Lord. When circumstances are odd in Scripture, I believe that the Word is trying to communicate something to us. From the obvious signs like bushes suddenly turning into fire but not being consumed, to the more, the more subtly strange head scratchers like the one we encounter today, when we are reading our Bible and we find something curious, I believe we are to stop and pay attention for the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. And I believe that a key to understanding this gospel message today can be found in the words of the centurion himself. He says, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. I am not worthy. I am not worthy. Strange words for a man of such power. This is a person who gets things done, who knows how to call in favors, to win the support of his fellows, to garner the love of his constituency. He's a politician. And yet he confesses to Christ that he is not worthy and won't even go out to meet him or host him when he comes. Very odd indeed. We pray for those in need all the time. Every Sunday we pray for those known to be ill. In the bulletin there is a list of those requesting our prayers. Our Daughters of the King chapter in our Wednesday morning Bible study, they both keep lists of those in need of prayer, and they keep those in constant prayer. And each of us, regardless of our own prayer disciplines, we hold in our heart those that we love and those that we know who are in need, and we plead with the Lord on their behalf. And God answers those prayers. But how often do we neglect to pray for the person in need that we know the best? Ourselves. We may not have a diagnosis or a crisis or even a consciousness of what we are grappling with, but all of us need healing. We pray for others, but for ourselves we say to God, I, I'm not worthy. But what are we afraid of? Why don't, why do we advocate for others but not for ourselves? What is so frightening of actually being well? Sometimes, now I never do this, of course, but you may do this. I never do. But sometimes we hold on to our illness, to our brokenness, to our failures, for that is all we know, and that is all we can comprehend. 
We have held on to this pain, white-knuckled for so long. This pain, this addiction, this abuse, this whatever. And it has seeped into our brain and poisoned our soul. So much so that our sickness feels normal. And we say the most ridiculous things, like, I am not worthy. But I have news, my friends. I have good news. The centurion is worthy. You are worthy. I am worthy. When God made you, God said that you are good. If you don't believe me, look it up in the Bible. It's somewhere near the beginning. And because we are made in the image of God, because God said that we are good, and that was confirmed in the incarnation of Christ, we can approach God in our brokenness and leave all of that garbage at the foot of the cross and walk away in the light of Easter resurrection and begin to imagine a world when we are made well. That is what Paul was writing about to the Galatians. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to set us free. Or my colleague Will, his grandfather, was a clergy person as well, and he wrote this beautiful blessing that speaks to this reality. As you go without these walls, leave here your troubles and your cares, and in their stead take faith, hope and love, these three, for they are thine. Wellness and freedom can be terrifying. For what will we do when we are actually well and free and don't have our sickness to carry around anymore? What will that feel like? It will certainly be very odd. But the good news is our God is a God of healing. Our God reaches out to us yesterday, today, and tomorrow and brings us wholeness and wellness. And moreover, and perhaps even more profound, is that we should not fear such wholeness, especially for ourselves. For we were meant to be, we were made to be well. And when we claim that wellness, we can do great works. So today, Begin to forgive yourself and claim the very fact that you are worthy. Amen.